So a show of hands this morning, how many of you have at some point in your life served as a judge of something? Uh, maybe at a county fair, maybe it was at an art fair, maybe it was something to do with your kids at school. How, how many of you have served as a judge of some kind of contest uh, in your life? Uh, Don, what kind of judge have you been? Uh, you know, big surprise here, Don Olson has served as a judge at a car show before. Um, that's a good one, right? Um, anybody else want to shout, shout one out that you've served a judge? Um, anybody ever served as a judge at a pie contest? Anybody? That has been like my dream. I, I want to be that guy who serves that one. I mean, talk about good stuff. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways. I, last time we had somebody who had served as a, an art fair judge, and uh, she said it's, it's very subjective, and it can be kind of tense. If, if you don't like somebody's art over someone else's art, well, um, that's kind of a, a tough role to play judge. Um, you know, there's, there's people in, in the media today uh, that are famous judges. I'm going to put one of them up on the screen. Um, you may or may not know who this is. Uh, I'm not endorsing him as my hero at all. This is Simon Cowell. Um, he is very famous in recent days. Uh, American Idol was one of his shows. Uh, currently, uh, it's America's Got Talent is, is the big show. And if you've ever watched it, Sometimes it, it can be one of those things that America is missing talent. Um, and sometimes it's funny because the judges, and Simon is usually pretty direct with acts that come up. It's, it's like um, when I was growing up, anybody ever watched The Gong Show? It's the same show. It is. And only there's not a gong. You can hit a button and it go bong. And, and so you've got the judges. And, you know, they can be really critical. And sometimes their opinions are very different than the audience's opinions. It's just that tension of being a judge. I want to show you another picture of what can happen when we rush to judgment as people. Um, this picture, anybody know what this is a picture of? Obviously baseball, but anybody know the context? Curious. This is from 2003. Uh, you may figure out from the hats, it's Chicago Cubs fans. Um, this was at, uh, I believe it was game six of uh, the pennant race uh, in 2003. The Cubs were on fire. And if you know the history of the Cubs, that didn't happen very often throughout history. They were known as the, the most losing team in baseball and and it was always next year. And they hadn't won a World Series, made it to World Series. I mean, it was heartbreaking for Cubs fans. 2003, though, was shaping up to be their year. And they were going into the playoffs on fire. Uh, their bats were hot. I mean, everything was going well. And this was the game that everything was going well. And they would clinch that playoff title and win the pennant and be on their way to the World Series. Until this happens. Um, that... Uh, Young man with the headphones on is uh, in uh, left field and sitting right on the sideline there. This is a fall ball that was coming down, and um, you can see the arm coming up from the player there. That's Moises Alou, who was going to catch the fall ball, and it was pretty clear he was going to catch it until Steve Bartman, the guy with the headphones and the hat, there's another picture, I think, from the front, enters in to catch the fall ball and bobbles it. And as a result, the ball drops to the ground 
And an easy out goes away and you might say, well, big deal, this happens all the time. The thing is, this one play would then change the course of the game. The Cubs started to fall apart from this moment on and the Florida Marlins scored all of these runs in the very same inning and went on to win and beat out the Cubs for the pennant. And, and you, as Cubs fans are very forgiving, they're like, no big deal. Uh-huh. Somehow, someway, this young man, his name is Steve Bartman, his name and address got out there. He had death threats against his family. Um, they had to have police guards at his house and at his workplace because people wanted to hurt him. And, and the things people were saying about him, they were ruthless, so angry at this young man. What was he thinking? Destroying the hopes of the Cubs for yet another year. Word was that this totally changed his life. This one little moment of being a, a, a spectator fan at a baseball game, reaching his hand out as really many, any of us would have. Because that's kind of what you do at baseball games. If there's a ball coming your way, you're like, oh, wow, I'm going to catch a major league ball. It's all he was doing. And yet the judgment that people put on him, very hurtful. It, it totally changed his life and trajectory and his ability. In fact, uh, he would not, he was a lifelong Cubs fan and would not go back to the park out of fear for his life. Uh, it was amazing. That one little thing. Judgment can be a pretty powerful, powerful force. Now, by what we say or what we think or how we act toward others. Uh, judgment is that kind of thing. And as it is again today, Jesus, Jesus speaks of Things in, in the Sermon on the Mount, and I've been reminded of this. If you ever hear someone say, I love the Sermon on the Mount, I, found, I find it so comforting. <laughs> I, I would ask them if they've actually read it. Because what we find in this section, in this text, is one after another, Jesus is, is throwing zingers our way. I mean, these are, these are hard words that challenge how we live, that challenge how we think, that challenge how we operate. And, and they go right to the heart and right to the core of our motives, and maybe uh, things that we've always taken for granted is just the way life is. Jesus has something to say that maybe the reality of what we think is reality really isn't God's reality for us. Today is one of those examples. And I, I wanted to start by saying uh, Jesus isn't alone in this. Um, I was, found this in, in Romans chapter 2, verse 1, where the Apostle Paul writes for the Spirit. He says, You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. This isn't follow-up where Paul lists this just horrendous list of sins of the flesh and, and the realities of this broken world and, and the depravity of humankind. And he says, lest we judge not so fast. For those who judge, do the same things. And maybe that's a good starting point to understand perhaps where Jesus is coming from today. Let's, let's open the text. If you want to open the worship Bible with me or open your worship folder where the scripture readings are listed there. Matthew chapter 7. These are not going to be on the screen. So if you want to read along and follow along where Jesus says this. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. 
For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I, I don't know about you, but um, you read that and say, well, I am so glad I'm not judgmental. <laughs> right. And unless we say, well, I never speak badly about other people, do you think badly of other people? Because as we've learned in the Sermon on the Mount, it's not just what we say, it can be what we think or what our motivations are. And even as Jesus had talked earlier about, even if you think lustful thoughts in your mind, you've already committed adultery. Or if you thought angry thoughts in your mind, you've already committed murder. Same kind of deal here going on. Judgment is a powerful force, and it is very deceptive. Because often what's going on in judgment is, is we're putting ourselves over someone else, aren't we? I mean, really. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Uh, put this in context. So, you know, I think, what does this mean exactly? I've, I've heard it interpreted, oh, so what Jesus is saying is this is kind of one of those uh, similar to the golden rule, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And that uh, life experience says that people who are highly critical of others, people who are judgmental in, in their attitudes, generally then get the same treatment from others. And what Jesus is trying to help you with life is that life's going to go much easier if you're less judgmental because then people will be less judgmental of you. Is that what Jesus is saying. Well, certainly there's some real life application. I, I found this to be true. People who are highly critical, generally, if they're criticized, they don't take it well, do they? It doesn't sit well because that usually strikes a nerve, which maybe cuts to the heart of another principle in life, and that is hurt people generally hurt people. Often people who are critical or judgmental often are very, very broken, hurting people or insecure. That's often a, a root to that as well. But is that what Jesus is getting at here? Don't judge or you'll be judged by other people. I, I suppose, but that's really not context what he's really getting at. Because he's talking about our relationship with God, right? And, and this should get our attention today. If you, we are judgmental of others, Jesus is saying, so God will be judgmental toward you. The same measure you use will be the measure that God uses against you. So what is that measure today? What is Jesus getting at? You know, I've heard it said, and this gets quoted all the time, what Jesus is trying to say is, it's about time we get a little more politically correct, right? Because after all, even Jesus himself said, everything's okay. Stop judging people. Try, stop calling things wrong. What Jesus is getting at is, stop judging. Everybody's just fine. Is that what Jesus is saying? I've heard people say that. See, don't judge. There's no such thing as right or wrong. Even Jesus said, don't judge. Who are you to judge? That is severely taking this out of context. Because certainly our God is not saying there's no such thing as right or wrong. He's certainly not saying to his followers, don't stand up for truth. Don't stand up for what is right. Or turn that around. Sometimes to be loving to someone we care about deeply. I mean, if somebody is in a marriage and they, you know, and it becomes known that they are in a serious affair and they're breaking their marriage and their family apart, does that mean, oh, you know what, I'm not going to judge that to each his own if that person is your best friend? 
certainly God wouldn't say, okay, well, don't, don't intervene, don't say anything, don't talk about anything, just, it's okay, everything's fine, just be a bystander, don't judge, I mean, who are you to, to judge that action? I mean, of course, or if somebody's caught in an, in an alcoholic addiction and it's killing them and it's tearing apart their family and they're your best friend, is Jesus saying, well, don't judge them, don't, don't intervene, don't love them, just love them and accept them as they are, don't, don't assist them in revealing truth in their life. No, that's not what Jesus is saying, can't be, because we have many examples in Scripture where God teaches us that love sometimes speaks up. And love often does very difficult things. Tough love is, is a concept that really, truly, in this world, is not politically correct. There's this, this mindset of, well, Jesus said, don't judge, so just, just, just cover it all over, it's all okay. No, that's not what God teaches us in his word. So what is he getting at here when he talks about judging? Let's step out for a minute and try something. Carol, could I call on you for one moment? Jesus spoke in his day. No, come on up. Come on up. I'm talking to get you transitioned to get up here. So um, Jesus spoke in his time against Pharisees and in that, that self-righteous attitudes. And, and what was going on is there was a, an attitude of who is better than others. And a self-righteous judgment was all about who was closer to God, who through their actions and their outward appearances were closer to God. So you maybe heard me share this before. Uh, who's closer to the moon, Carol or myself? <laughs> right? Um, easy answer, right? I, and, but who's also closer to the ground? Carol is, okay? <laughs> who's further from the ground in terms of height? I am. Now, if I measure is from the ground, yeah, I guess I am taller than you, right? I think we'd agree at that. But if our measurement is to the moon, well, yeah, I'm a little closer, but who cares? Yeah. So let me talk about that. Thank you for coming up. That was very bold. Um, you think about what, what the Pharisees were all about is they were about showing other people that they were better than others. And, and that you even have that example we brought up a couple weeks ago. Jesus talks about the Pharisee who is, is on the street corner. He's praying and he's saying, I'm so thankful I'm not like that guy. Uh, and he's a sinner, but I'm so grateful that I am righteous in your sight, God. And this sense of self-righteous in comparison to somebody else. And, and as the Pharisees were apt to do, comparing themselves to others and being, belittling them and judging them. And, and Jesus made it really clear. You're like whitewashed tombs. You might be all nice on the outside, but on the inside, you're an absolute mess. And here it is, Jesus says, don't judge. Don't judge like that. Because if your judging of others is to make yourself feel better, if your judging of others is based in this warped sense of, I am holy in and of myself, I'm a good person in the sight of God, and I am worthy of Him. We are really confused. Because we've cut to the heart of missing the gospel completely. This is the kind of judgment Jesus is talking about here. Judging others in a self-righteous kind of way. Now, he goes on, he explains this. He says, how can you say to your, your brother, when you look at, oh, I'm sorry, a little bit before that, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I mean, what a visual. Um, When I was in uh, confirmation, uh, we were given an assignment to draw a picture of uh, something from one of Jesus' teachings and I gravitated toward this illustration and I wish I had the picture of the drawing today because it was pretty good actually. And I had this picture of this man standing there with his mouth open and his finger pointing at this guy standing there and there's a little speck right underneath the little guy's eye and this man's like calling out and angry and vengeful and pointing it out and meanwhile there's this this tree growing out of his eye and the tree then was being sawed into planks into lumber and I don't remember how I did it but it was really cool and it illustrated exactly what Jesus was getting at I mean how ridiculous if you've ever had even a little speck in your eye you know how hard it is even see, because we're like, ah, that hurts. Jesus is saying, if you are judgmental in a self-righteous kind of way, it's like a tree or a plank is growing out of your eye. How dare you pretend that you have it all figured out? Now, what's the answer in all of this? What's he getting at? What, why would Jesus get our attention in this kind of way? I have a feeling it, it cuts back to Psalm 143, these words that that we read from the psalmist. You know, Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment for, listen to this, no one living is righteous before you. You hear that? Our position here in the presence of Almighty God is one of humility when we realize that in and of ourselves we could never gain righteousness. At least not on a level that gets us to the moon on our own abilities and our own actions and good works. We fall short again and again and when we become judgmental, it's just one more example of how far we've fallen. We are people in need of mercy. It's not deserved. It's not earned. It's not gained on our own efforts but rather the mercy and grace of God poured out on sinful, broken people. And the more we realize the impact of that, the more we realize that I am a child of God by the grace and the love of Jesus who doesn't have a plank in his eye toward me, but rather that plank would take him as one he'd be nailed to go in the way of a cross for me. That's where my sense of self-righteousness and my brokenness and my messed up attitude so often, Jesus takes it there and deals with it. So that I look to that cross and I say, that's where I can know I am loved. That's where I can know I am forgiven. And it's also where I can learn that I could never forgive someone more than I've been forgiven. I could never love someone more than I've been loved. I could never build one other, others up more than I've already been built up or served by the one who's loved me first and served me. God instead, rather than a plank, gives us a lens to see those around us. And it's a lens of mercy. And it's a new standard of measure through the cross of Jesus Christ. A lens of mercy. I love what what happened this past week. I, I told you about Steve Bartman and this event back in 2003. And Again, it messed up his life in a huge way. Uh, people's judgment and that realization for many too, realizing, you know what, that could have been me. 
I would have done the same thing. I would have grabbed for that ball, most likely, because it's just our, our human nature is to fail in these ways, in this moment that changes, in some ways, history for the Cubs. How many of you know who won the World Series last year? Um, I'm not a baseball fan, but I happen to know this one. The Chicago Cubs, after 108 years of never making it or never winning the World Series this past year, uh, this past spring, won the World Series. It was a really big deal and and a pretty dramatic thing. And uh, something happened this week. Some of you know it. It was pretty powerful. This young man got a gift from the Chicago Cubs. He received a World Championship World Series ring with his name on it. Is that not awesome? I love that. Now, did Steve Bartman have anything to do with the World Series victory? Absolutely not. Did he earn it? Did he uh, gain it or perform well enough to receive? No, of course he didn't. But this is grace. And this is mercy. And it came with an expression of thanks and an asking and request. May you know you are forgiven and loved. And we welcome you back to Wrigley Field as a lifelong fan of the Chicago Cubs. And I think about that. God gives us this amazing gift by his grace and his mercy. For all the times we've bobbled up and messed up the will of God, what does God give? Not a ring, but he rather gives us a crown of righteousness. And that righteousness gained and earned by our Savior who loves us. And says, you are part of what I have given you today. What a great way to face life and face our relationship with others in his presence. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for mercy. And we pray that you teach us what it means not to live in self-righteous judgment toward others. In our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our world. But rather, may we become more and more again people known for mercy. It doesn't mean we water down truth. Quite the opposite. Lord, often love leads us to speak words of truth and boldness and love. But Lord, at the same time, to be people of mercy and grace. Teach us that balance and continue to lead us and shape and mold us as people who spend time at your feet. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.